Welcome to Crime Time. You're listening to Leonetti's Detection Selection. Welcome to Crime Time, the podcast discussing all things mystery, thriller, sci-fi, horror, and crime fiction. This is season five, episode four. That's Eddie. I'm Leisha Blam. Wow, that was really, that was a really good, that was a really good intro. I feel like he really like came in with that radio voice. <laughs> it was really good. I mean business. Yeah, I feel like I want to advertise with you. Can I advertise with you? Do it. Um, so could, could you talk about my uh, new enterprise, which is, it's a beta reading service. Ooh. So let me tell you a bit about it. All right, so so you can advertise. So it's a beta reading service. It's called Frank & Co. Mm-hmm. Good name. Thank you. It sounds reliable, trustworthy, but frank. Yeah. Yeah, open, honest. Mm. So we're a digital literary service. Right. Right. And basically what happens is an author sends us a manuscript Mm -hmm. or an editor, Mm -hmm. and we read it. We write a comprehensive manuscript review. Could publishing services also send it to you? Absolutely. Okay, I just want to get the background deeds. Okay. 100%. Mm -hmm. Uh, So one of our wonderful beta readers reads it, Mm -hmm. including actually some stars, you know, uh, Lee and Eddie from Frontend Podcast. I'm Lee. You're, You're Lee. Eddie. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Um, and so basically what we do is we write a comprehensive manuscript review, giving you an idea of what readers think when they're reading your manuscript, whether or not it's holding together, what kind of character development, what, what impressions people are getting from those characters, you know, whether or not potentially you should send it in for a sensitivity reading. Maybe you're writing these really flat characters that don't read that well. Or, you know, maybe you're doing a great job and you need to be told. So many people need to be told when they're doing a great job. I agree. So, yeah, Frank and Co. beta reading services. How would you do that in your cool radio voice? Hey, welcome to Frank and Co. We're a digital... We're a digital literary service. We take that manuscript that you've worked your whole life with and we give it a test drive. We see how it reads to the general reader and we give you that feedback you need on the road to publishing. No, but all cheesiness aside, it's something that we love. (laughs) We're so excited that we've launched this business and if you want to get in touch with us, you're very welcome to. You can go to frankcoreaders.com. You can go through the Crime Time website at crimetimepod.com. You can check us out on Twitter, on Instagram. We're here to work with you to, you know, make your publishing dreams come true. All jokes aside, if I had a manuscript, I'd send it to you. Oh, so would I. Because you'd be, you'd be thoughtful, you'd be kind, and you'd give me the feedback I needed. That's true. Mm. Uh, My main feedback for you personally is stop thinking you know what semicolons do. (laughs) (laughs) So the other day I was, uh, I don't know if anyone knows this, I'm working on a PhD at the moment. I'm three years in. Well, I'm into my third year. You'd think I'd know what a semicolon was. <laughs> to be fair to me, it's in psychology. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not doing a PhD in like linguistics. But I was sitting there being like, yeah, this sounds good. This sounds good. And then I was like, you know what would look really good? Because we always talk about how a semicolon done well is a power move, right? It's a power it's move. It's a power move. If you text someone that you're flirting with and you correctly use a semicolon. It's a difficult thing to do. They're going to propose. <laughs> So I sent Eddie a screen cap of this uh, paragraph I was writing. Yeah. I used a semicolon. I sent it to Eddie like, hey, what do you think about this? Does this work? What did you say? I said, um, I'm really not sure why you would put any punctuation there. <laughs> I disagree. What you said was, I remember you said, absolutely not. <laughs> Full stop, end of text. <laughs> I appreciate that you're forgotten. I'm still hurt. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a monster. (laughs) 
But anyway, what are we talking about today, Eddie? Oh, today we are talking about a Netflix show. It's called Quicksand. They're bringing out some good content, old Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was just the other day, before it came out, I was thinking, you know what would be really good? Sand, but, and hear me out here. <laughs> A little bit quicker. <laughs> no, I liked it. That was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good, right? Yeah. If we could somehow, like, speed up that sand. <laughs> you know what? I would say sand is notoriously quite slow. Let's make it quick. Right? I don't have time for slow sand, everyone. We're also talking about The Vegetarian by Han Kang, which I'm pretty excited about. You know, you might think... Eddie and Lee, they read all the same books. Nay, we don't. We really don't. We have very different interests, I guess, in our overarching interest system. Yeah, for example, you're married to my sister, and I would never <laughs> marry my sister. Exactly. <laughs> Other differences between us. You like, uh, as we discussed in the last episode, well, look, come on, folks, line up in the parlor, and we're going to find out who done it. Wow, is that an impression of me? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's accurate. <laughs> Anyways, I like that more psychologically gritty yeah. kind of stuff. Which I really don't understand because you literally work in mental health, like, research and support. Why do you think everybody who works in psychology works in psychology? Oh, is it because you're, like, <laughs> delicious? Tell me more. The intrigue. No, it's because we're all working through our own personal traumas. Gosh, Eddie. And I work in literature because I'm in denial, but I'm very talkative. <laughs> No, but this book, The Vegetarian, we've both read, so uh, let's buckle in. Yeah, buckle up. Buckle, buckle down. down. So. Boom. You want me to start with Quicksand? Yeah, Blim Blam, Quicksand. All right, so I love a good Netflix special. You know I love a crime kind of, I love a good, you know, it's not something that we talk about in this podcast, but I love crime, true crime. Absolutely, yeah. And I think we don't talk about true crime a lot on this podcast because it gets really depressing really quickly. Really depressing. I think we need to make a clear distinction. We talk about crime fiction. Yeah. Um, sometimes people write into us and they say, or they send us books and yeah. they're true crime, and we just make a really hard line that we only talk about crime fiction. Yeah. I think we stick pretty true to that most of the time. For the most part, I would say, you know, I would say when people do dramatic oh. recreations of real things. I think I'm into that. I think we do that. Mm. We do talk about that. Mm. But... I think when it comes to straightforward, true crime, here's what happened. I think our limit is about kind of the level of BuzzFeed Unsolved. Like, we'll talk For about sure. BuzzFeed Unsolved. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, also, it's, it's, there's some lovely rain going on. I wonder if our listeners can hear that. Some ASMR. ASMR. Uh, we, should, we should build this one. It's just like Lee and Eddie chat by the rain, <laughs> by a rainy window. If you're uh, trying to sleep right now. Right. Here the, we go. The beautiful sound of rain and the... Really not very grating <laughs> sound of any. <laughs> uh, no, so if you want some good true crime recommendations, just go through my podcast library. So the only thing I really listen to is true crime. Oh, really? Yeah. And I think it's not so much that I love it for the gory details. Uh-huh. It's more I think that there's usually this, like, justice story yes. that I get really behind. Yeah. I had a point that I was coming to. So I'm often on Netflix looking for, like, the new crime documentary. Like, oh, yeah. bring it to me. I love yeah. The Staircase. You know, I didn't finish the extra episode of The Staircase because it started to uh, break my heart. Yeah, right. Did he, is he still in uh, My understanding is he's now out time served. Oh. But I know information about him that makes me 
very suspicious of him. Oh, really? On top of what was already discussed in the wow. staircase. But look, this could be us. We so would just not talk. I am not buying that fucking owl theory. No, I have really strong feelings about this. I watched the staircase, and I don't want to. I don't want to gloat, but I watched it back in like ten years ago, and then it blew up, and I already had a really strong feelings about it. I'm interested in like the Madeline McCann case. I'm interested yeah. in yeah. how to make a murderer. So all of these things I'm really mm-hmm. interested in. So when something pops up that is a fictional kind of yeah. crime story series like mm-hmm. Quicksand, I'm like right on there. 100%. In the back of my mind, I'm also like, oh, we can talk about this on Crime Time. Right. Two birds, one stone. <laughs> Did you hear that Peter came out and they were like, we need to stop using this language. <laughs> we need to be, I can't remember what they said, but they were like, not two birds, one stone. Because it, it, I guess it creates an imagery of where you're using one stone to kill two birds. Well, look, here's my first thought. I can't hit one bird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you've got to meet my dog, Chip. He doesn't like many things. He's a very scared boy. The only thing he really likes is chasing leaves and trying to chase a bird. But he's like a tiny little pup that is quite fast. And Guys, he would can I just never say, catch a bird. This dog is smaller than a Subway sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> just straight up. The foot long, not the six inch. The foot long. Like, but if you had one of those like really old-fashioned scales with like, you know, like two platforms and you put him on one platform and a Subway sandwich on the other one, I'm going to say level. I'm just saying, if he can't catch a bird, I can't throw a rock that's going to hit a bird. I don't know how we got here. Also, like, two in, one in the hand is better than two in the bush. Like, are they like, don't do that? Don't put birds. Don't, don't hold a bird. Like, Yeah. We'll get in touch with them for a comment. <laughs> yeah. Look, we can make a podcast about many things. Ooh. But here we are today talking about quicksand. Yeah. It's a really sad story. So let's just, we'll bring the All mood right. down a little right. bit, which is what I like to Hold do. Right. Let me just squeeze out a tear. No, seriously, though, it's about a, a school shooting. Oh, fuck. Right, yeah, so it gets real, right? Yeah. Um, it's not based on real events, but uh, it's a really heartfelt kind of series. Yeah. So we're intru- like, the first, very first scene is these cops or whatever. There's a girl on the ground covered in blood. There's lots of dead people around yeah. her. Where we, we kind of are led to believe that she's implicated in committing this crime in some way. Oh, wow, yeah. She's immediately arrested and taken into custody. And I think it's about, I couldn't say, it's like a short series, maybe like six episodes or something. Yeah. I'm just going to say, you probably don't know how many episodes because you probably just sat there and watched it in one sitting. I did. <laughs> I sat there and watched it in one sitting. It was it was really good. And it's, um, so it was set in Sweden, in Stockholm. It's the story of a young girl and a guy. They get together. It's like that romantic mm-hmm. entanglement that only you only know in teenagehood uh, where it gets obsessive. Know. Quite an ugly teen. <laughs> Maybe you're just one of those late bloomers. <laughs> Still waiting. Anyway, so it tells the story of these two kids. Um, it's all over the space of a year. There's like mm-hmm. before the shooting, after the shooting. Right. And we really think that maybe these two people committed the crime together. Uh-huh. Uh, it really unfolds in a way that is quite surprising to me yeah. and I couldn't look away from. Amazing. Yeah. How many, I'm going to say upset Eddie's out of five. Five. Wow. Five. It was really good. I don't think I've done a very good explanation of the show, but I'd really recommend it. Netflix, yeah. right now, quicksand. I just worry it all about ever giving any any parts away. I feel like this is a thing that you you know you like hold holding the cards close to your chest. Yeah. And for me, I'm like, you know what? This came out 500 years ago. Because <laughs> I'm reading that or watching that new new. Right, you're on the cutting edge. So, I'm like, let me tell you about Beowulf. It's more like I just want to like if I'm going to talk about something on the show, yeah. it's because I really enjoyed it. Oh, so yeah. I want to like do a few shout outs yeah. and then say. 
go yeah, have it, go get amongst yeah. it. Yeah, whereas I'm like, guess what? I read the folk song saga <laughs> and uh, I'm upset, so so should you be. Who's that guy that first read a book like Homer? <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> we were around <laughs> then. around then. This is me and Homer. I was like, you know what? You should, Homer. You should write a book. I'll, I'll beta read it for you. The Odyssey or something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised you haven't spoken about that. You know what? It's actually on the shelf right behind me. Um. Challenge accepted! Here we go. Alright, the vegetarian. Let's do it. Boom. Alright, so I feel like this one went off. Yeah, people loved it. People, it was like, people were like, whoa, the vegetarian! Yeah, so we, I think we both read it because we talked about doing a book club. So I read it. Yeah, which can I just say, my sister, your wife, was like, let's <laughs> let's have a book club. My best friend, your sister, my wife, you, yeah. and some of our friends. Yeah, and uh, then it your disappeared. wife, <laughs> your wife was like, nah, I didn't like it, so I didn't read it. <laughs> and then we, <laughs> then we moved to Severance, Ling Ma, which I highly recommend. Oh, I was not given this. Have I been kicked out of the book club? Oh. On air! Actually, it's on hiatus. <laughs> I'm kidding. Wow. No. Uh, a lot of people will have heard of this. It's been, like, you know, pretty critically acclaimed. Yeah, there's a sticker on the front there. What does it say? Uh, it says, the Man Booker International Prize. I'm shocked by this, to be honest. What? That I, it won so many we'll, prizes. We'll get into this, All won't right. we? Um, so it's translated from Korean. It hit the shelves in... Uh, and people went off about it. They were like, whoa, it's so good. And what happens is it's written from the perspective of several different people about a woman who turns vegetarian. And she she decides to become vegetarian uh, in a way where she just stops eating meat. She throws out all the meat in her house. And she, the only thing she'll say in response to people asking her why is that she'd had a dream. And, you know, it's about these kind of frustrations, people having these intense responses to her not eating meat, including, you know, people trying to force feed her meat. People are having, like her family members, they're having huge emotions about this kind of crisis. And, and she's just getting thinner and thinner and she's obviously really not well. And I guess that's kind of where I'll leave it in terms of a, an idea of the shape of the book. Yeah, I agree. I think that's, if we're talking about the vegetarian, that's probably what it's about. On the surface. On the surface. Yeah. Like, I would say that those are the actions of the book without giving too much away. Yeah, I think that I gave this book a lot of time because we were going to do it for the, uh, the book club. Yeah. And then I also thought, you know, I'm really open... So, you know, it's set in the, the Korean cultural context. Yeah. It's probably really different to mine, potentially. Yeah. And that family, like, um, patriarchal kind of family line that is really potentially different to mine. And I tried to be really open to the experience. I was like, what is this making a comment on? Yeah. At the end of the day, <laughs> I just couldn't get anywhere with it. Right, you just weren't enjoying it. It wasn't that I... No, I didn't enjoy the book. But yeah. some books I don't enjoy, but I can still see yeah. that it's, like, t- talking to me about something kind of um, important. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I get it, like... What are we talking about? Sexism? Like, like what for you was the takeaway point of this book? So I think that there's, for me, the fact that this book is about someone who's getting sicker Mm. in not a particularly linear fashion. Like, I think that she has an immediate break with reality. She's not well, and it begins to express itself first in vegetarianism. And everyone around her sees the problem as that she's not eating meat. Mm. But it's a much deeper thing. There's something, you know, really 
fundamentally going on for her that is presenting to other people as vegetarianism, but there's so many other behaviours that they don't even comment on. I just wanted to hear her voice. And I think that that's the really interesting thing about it, because it's actually, it's narrated by, I think, three people, and none of them are her. None of them are her. She, she never really speaks without being spoken to first. She answers questions. She never says anything unsolicited, which I think is really interesting. And for me, that was so important, was that she just didn't get to speak. And I think that for me, it's a commentary on how we just can't know what's going on for someone. We can see particular things and not just that, but we will fixate on particular things and not be able to see other things. Like as a reader, you're reading this and they're like, oh, it's the vegetarianism. Mm. And then at the same time, you're like, well, but she's a skeleton. It's got nothing to do with her not eating meat. It's got to do with her not really eating at all. I think that's a great point that we, we, as readers, but as people, we fixate on things that might not have anything to do Fully. with what yeah. what is actually going on. Mm. And I think it's really interesting because the one moment that you maybe get an idea of, of what's going on for her is that there is this dream. So there's this dream sequence where you get a bit of an idea of what the traumatic dream was that she had. And I think she says that she continues to have dreams. And so she doesn't speak, but the dream, I guess, does. Mm. And I think that for me, it's it's a horror book. But it, the horror is that people don't understand mental illness. Mm. Um, and I think that that's uh, not unique to a Korean context. Obviously, the ways in which people were responding, you know, is you know different or the same. Yeah. So for me, I think it was really the strong point for me was the fact that she that we never get inside her head. Because we can't actually understand what's going on for someone else's mental health. And sometimes we can't even understand our own mental health. In fact, Mm. I would say a lot of the time. Mm. Um, And and by the author deciding not to let us inside her head, I think stops us from ever presuming that we know. I think that was the part that really got to me because I was like, we just have to accept this violence that Mm. like physical and sexual violence that like is put upon her. And, and I feel like the writer tries to be, like, objective. Like, it's never, like, characterized, mm-hmm. especially the sexual violence, as sexual violence. Like, yeah. it's just, like, part of the narrative. Yeah. It's, 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 it's as simple and as clear as her, like, uh, like making the bed. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's never, like, uh, there's never, like, a judgment put upon it. Mm-hmm. So I was, like, I was waiting for her voice, maybe, yeah. to understand her experience a little bit better. And I think it's probably because the narrators of the sexual violence are the men doing it. Mm. Um, and the one person who does talk about it as sexual violence is her sister, mm. who, who says, why would you do that? She's sick. You can't, she, she can't consent. You know, like that's the kind of view that she comes from. And I think that that does bring in an extra voice. But then at the same time, there's this element of, you know, actually you're not hearing from her. Was it consensual? You know, like, and, and, and that's the whole thing is that even though she's coming in and saying, this is not consensual, this is this, this is X, Y, Z, actually we still don't have her voice. We still don't have access to what we might think of as her interior. What, what is the point of that, I wonder? Yeah. What is the point of having this whole story about this person's experience without ever having any kind of space for them to speak? And I think that that's, yeah, maybe where you and I differ on, on our preferences for, for that sort of thing. Because I think for me, um, I come from a particular position, which is if I describe to you uh, a thing that happens and I tell you how I felt about it, Potentially, and I'm not saying you personally, I'm saying a, a reader. Uh, potentially that person's going to say, oh, I get it. 
I understand it. You know, like people read these a lot of like trauma narratives, and they're like, oh, I get it. I understand what it would be like to live through that awful experience. And you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's like I've lived that life.、Mm. You know, like I think there's that really famous quote, and I'm sure I've spoken about this before on the podcast. Is people saying, oh, someone who's read a thousand books has lived a thousand lives. Someone who hasn't read any books has lived only one. And I'm like, no, 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 baby. <laughs> You've lived one life. You've read a thousand books. No,、um, I know that's a、yeah. thing, but I think I don't know if it, like yeah, I think that's a thing that、mm-hmm. people feel. But I think hearing from the voice of the per, like hearing、yeah. from the perspective of the person, it's not like I've lived your life. It's like I hear what you're saying about yeah, your yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, no, fully. Yeah, and I I think for me, the really explicit denial of her voice、uh, says something really particular that I really like.、Mm. Um, like I think Han Kang is you know she's saying something about that. You know, she's saying we don't hear these voices. Yeah.、Um, and and I, I found it really painful as well. But I think that's a really interesting point you're making.、Yeah. Like that's interesting to me. It's something I didn't really think of because I only felt frustrated that we weren't hearing her voice yeah, yeah, as yeah. opposed to this is like an explicit like denial of hearing、mm-hmm. her voice,、mm-hmm. which is another experience completely. Fully. And I think that probably like I think it has a lot to do with your own kind of professional、uh, perspective in that you. Work in a, a field that is explicitly about giving voice to people. Not so much. I think maybe that's why I'm so focused on it.、Oh, I think, like,、right. I think in psychology,、yeah. there's like this really big divide. Yeah. So you can hear there's, a, you know, there's a strong focus on like patient and know-it-all. You know, at the top,、yeah. there's like、yeah. a hierarchy. Yeah, yeah. But I think that things are slowly, painfully, slowly starting to、yeah. change. And I think that you're kind of part of that movement to. Your voice to look. I would、people. hope that I am. I f- I have trouble even saying that about myself. But he's hoping. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's really interesting these two different perspectives. And I felt really conflicted because for me personally, I would give this like four stars、mm. out of five.、Mm-hmm. Um, I went onto Goodreads、mm-hmm. and I had a look at some of the reviews. And honestly, the reviews I saw, the really low ones. Made me give it five stars. Wow. Okay. Okay. So here's my thing. Yeah.、Right? A lot of people were writing from the perspective of, I'm a vegetarian and I'm very glad that a book has been written about us because people don't talk about us enough.、Uh, oh my god. And this- then, and then, but here's the thing. Then betrayed. This isn't real vegetarianism. She's. And she's a vegan. She's not a vegetarian. That's misleading.、Uh. Like, first up, it was translated from Korean, so I don't know if there's a particular distinction in Korean. I really don't know how to speak that language. But like, I'm just like, you know. And they're like really cross. They're like, and and one of them that I read was the reason I gave it five stars because this person had given it like one star. And I'm not going to name names, guys. Don't go harass people on、uh, online. It's not a thing that you should do. But this person had put a one star review, and they said. Imagine if your identity was turned into a metaphor. Would that's just violence? And I'm like sitting there, like this, like queer mixed race. Oh like, my lord! What a traumatized subject position. Like, like, like you know, I'm like, wow. Imagine if you were a metaphor. <laughs> okay, so this is something we can 100% agree on about this book. <laughs> I really. Enjoyed hearing about your perspective, to be honest, and I love that a book can can come into being that I still don't love it, no, and, and you still、fair. like it, and、yeah. I feel like I can understand what you're saying. Yeah, like I can understand that 
I can understand it a little bit more. I still didn't like it, but I think it's cool if a book can help us have that conversation. I agree. Mm. Uh, so I feel like last week, everyone loved it. I was surprised by how much everyone loved it. So I'm like, let's bring it back. Yeah. Sexy or scary? Sexy or scary. Blim Blam Bloom. Uh, okay, I'll go first. Oh, go. You ready? Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with The NeverEnding Story 2? Uh, no. Okay. Wait, is it that big cloud dog? It's that big cloud dog. Oh, oh see, this is where I really have to take issue with the binary of sexy or scary because I do not find it scary. I love it. But it's too wholesome for sexiness. So sorry, I should have given some background. Sexy or scary is an ongoing bit we do on Crime Time Podcast. It's a research. It's delving into the soul. We throw a fictional, non-fictional, scary monster character, what have you, to the other, and then the other one must answer scary or sexy. There's no in between. Yeah. So I'm going to say scary because I would fear. Losing the love of that beautiful dog. Yeah, I would fear having to be sexy with it. Right. Or, like, feel that way about it. I would fear my own feelings. Like, I'd be like, is this happening? Who is she? Right? Maybe she's born with it. Maybe she's a giant cloud dog. Alright. Your time. Are you ready? Yeah. The, The ring girl. Uh, you know what I'm saying? With the hair falling you know out of the well. I feel like I would have always said scary, but right. when you just said it, I was like... Ring girl. Maybe sexy. <laughs> <laughs> you like, you know, little bit of a well ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I like long hair. <laughs> I like, like, dark long hair. That's a good oh, thing. Okay, yep, yep, yep. It's, it's a nice nightgown. <laughs> yeah, there we go. All right, I've spoken. <laughs> sexy. <laughs> Eternal hell goes. <laughs> Sexy. <laughs> Alright. So. Alright, my turn. This one speaks to my childhood. Oh. I had very strong feelings which about is it as not a child. Sexy. Just gonna say it. So I'm just gonna put it out there to you. You ready? Sexy or scary? Minnie Mouse. <laughs> I was obsessed. Obsessed with Minnie Mouse. I had like a Minnie Mouse jumper that I wore all the time. Yeah. I'm gonna find you pictures and I'll post it on Crime Time right, Pod. Right, right. And everyone was like, "Wow, Lee, you really love Minnie Mouse." And you were like, "Yeah." <laughs> we're best friends. <laughs> I'm gonna say that image is scary. <laughs> it's just like you and that well ghost <laughs> Minnie jumpers. It's not okay. <laughs> so no, wow. no deal. It's a no from me. I think you've just. Ruined Disney. Look, I think Disney ruined itself, <laughs> to be honest. Oh, yeah, that's right. You heard us, Disney. Come on. Come get us. All right, last one. All right. You're you up. ready? Velociraptors. But, okay, so specifically, I have to say this. Mm. The Velociraptors in Jurassic Park. No, that's not real Velociraptors. Not the cute ones with, like, feathers. No, Velociraptor is what I was thinking of. Is the Velociraptor the one where she's like scouring in the kitchen? She's like eating the jelly and she's like shaking it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not sexy. There's nothing sexy about that whatsoever. I don't know. They're pretty sleek. No, I. They're just. They terrify that girl. Yeah. And I'm actually looking at some kind of weird dinosaur. What's that? No, not that. That's a bird. bird. (laughs) There's something sitting behind Eddie to the left. Nah, to the left. 
that. Is that a Velociraptor? No, this is a Utah Raptor. Okay, Natalie. <laughs> which is actually what the Velociraptor in Jurassic Park was based on. Because Velociraptors, they're actually not that big. And, uh, yeah, they got feathers. Well, I couldn't think of anything less sexy in this conversation. So I'm going to say... <laughs> Scary, and that's boom. That's us for another week. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> let us know if you would. Uh, I'm gonna say lovingly pat a <laughs> Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at crimetimepodcast at gmail.com. Our website's crimetimepod.com. You can find us on Instagram, on Twitter. We're all over the place. We love you. Get in touch. Yeah, bam. Bang. Yeah, I'll just be in the in the garbage. <laughs> 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 With all the books you hate. <laughs>